With us now is uh, somebody that I've been tracking for, for about the last year or so. He's part of a group of people that teach golf online. And for some people our age, you know, you think, well, how could that be? Well, you're about to find out because I think we're going to be talking today with one of the rising stars of golf instruction, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or his own online academy. I'm going to tell you, you'll be so um, delighted with the presentation of this young man. Please welcome to our program, Eric Corgano from Eric Corgano Golf. Eric, thanks very much for joining us. Mr. Howard, pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, listen, let me just turn the music down and uh, let's get right to it. We, um, I sort of reached out to you. I first reached out to you because I was just curious about, you know, the world of people that instruct online. And I, and I, I saw you do a chipping lesson. And I said to myself two things. I said, this kid, I'm sorry I'm calling you a kid. I'm nearly 100 years old. <laughs> I said, this guy, not only does he know what he's doing, but he presents it in such an engaging and uh, sort of entertaining and very natural manner. And I thought, well, it seemed like it was quite professionally done. And that's why I reached out because I thought that might be an interesting conversation for us, even though we mostly focus on the mental side. There's something about instruction that all golfers love. And so let me just start with you. Welcome to the show. And, and who are you? You came, were, were you from the club side? Were you a tour or tournament player? Who, what's your origin story? Yeah, so I grew up playing golf. Um, my, my father uh, golfed, and I just, via wanting to spend time with him, learned how to golf growing up. I played multiple sports. Um, I think like a lot of us when we're younger have this false idea that we're going to go you know, be a professional athlete. I'm going to go play on the PGA Tour, um, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, you, you, you meet one or two people who are significantly better than you, and that, that pipe dream gets shot down rather quickly, or at least <laughs> yeah. for me it did. So... Um, Went to college, played a little bit in college, I, and, and I grew up working at a course, Howard, so I mean, I did everything from picking balls to cleaning carts to working in the pro shop. Um, you know, I did the PGA route, thought I wanted to be a, a club pro, and um, I, I started giving lessons when I was 18, so that's 12, almost 13 years ago now, and really for me, the, the teaching aspect of it was born out of frustration of being really bad, you know, mm-hmm. like my first couple of years of teaching were really, really, it was really bad. You're like, like you are when you start anything. And uh, it's, it's really turned into quite an obsession, I guess, here a decade later. You know, I've noticed um, there's something about you and the manner of which you speak to the people that, that follow you. There's a real empathy that comes from, and I can tell from watching a little bit of your stuff that, that you're someone like the rest of us. Even though you're at a higher level, we're all the same. We all want to get better. And you you have this sort of empathy of you've struggled as well. We all struggle, but you, you know what it's like to try and improve in this game. Yeah, that's a good that's a good pickup by you. I appreciate that. So 100%, Howard, and I still struggle. Like I still, when I go to the range, even though I'm a you know quote unquote expert on it, and I know the swing stuff. Like it's still a struggle for me. I my feels and reels are still different. I still have bad days, and I think a lot of what comes across on camera and what I'm trying to communicate is that is exactly that. I since I've been 15 and taking lessons have gone through the same process, right? Like I know what it's like to to try and search for a fix and have someone that works really good for a day or two and then is gone and and have no idea what you're trying to do and be completely lost. Like I've been through all of that. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think a lot of golf instruction pre YouTube and such, you, you look up to the guy giving the instruction, like they're this, like, like holy, what, I don't know what you called yourself before, which I well, like, the, but the guru, you know, we, the, yeah. and we, and we talk about that. We, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with Fred Shoemaker a couple of times and he talks about the guru model and the guru yeah. model is, I know you don't, you listen, I talk, you listen. Um, and then you just go off and do what I tell you. Exactly. And, and, it, and we and we know it can't be farther from the truth, right? Like an expert in any given area who's speaking on a certain topic in reality, whether they share it or not, is going through exactly the same thing that we are. And and, and I think that process just works like and, and approaching it that way of, hey, here's the reality of the situation. Like if, if someone's watching videos and they want to improve their golf game. There is no swing mechanic thing that we're going to talk about that's going to be a one-size-fits-all magic pill. Mm -hmm. right? Like, There's a process you're going to follow through any portion of whether it be meant, from my perspective, whether it be the mental portion of the game, the swing, the physical, et cetera. And so that, that, I'm really trying to hammer that home and help people um, avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I went through in trying to get better. Well, let's talk about, the, as I call it, the, the rise of the online YouTube golf instructor. I went back and looked at some stuff around 2017 when you sort of first began. I think your first your first YouTube video, I think you uploaded in the spring of 2017, but sometime in 2017, correct? Yep, that's right. So there's this clip of you. I think you were being interviewed by a, a local television station or something and and you sort of talked about, you know, where you wanted to take this. And at the time it was pretty new. I only knew of a couple people that did kind of what you're doing now, the the online instruction. And I sort of thought, well, how can you learn online? And that's what I wanted to ask you. As a guy that taught lessons on the T in person for years, how do you um, how, just sort of talk to me a little bit about the online experience versus the in-person experience? And what you said in that article is, you know, in person you can impact one golfer, but online you might impact hundreds of thousands. Yeah, so I think I think before getting into that, there's going to be credit given to my business partner Mary Langle, who uh, is the one who started all this whole thing. And because I thought a lot of the same way, like how am I? How would I even take this online to teach? And she was really the one who uh, convinced me that we would we would be able to do this. So I think how it works is like this: if I'm with you in person, Howard, I'm giving you a lesson. You hit balls. I watch you. You tell me what you're struggling with, what you want to improve upon. The first part of that lesson typically always is a diagnosis. Right. Right. Let's say, hey, Eric, I hit too many hooks under pressure. That's what I want to fix. I want to eliminate left shots. Okay. Here are the one, two, three main reasons why that comes up from a mechanical perspective, from a mechanical perspective. We go through that, and then there's an explanation of what's happening. That would be phase one. You agree with that? Yeah. So that can happen online, right? Like I don't need to be with you in person. If I saw your swing, whether in person or anywhere in the world, I could give you that same diagnosis. Let's call that the understanding phase, part one. That is, I'm currently getting my shots because of X, and these are the top priorities why X happens. Now let's talk about how to fix it. So I could see someone swing video, we could communicate that way. Now the next part would be how do you fix X, right? Let's say your club face gets too close under pressure. I'm just making some up. Maybe your grip's too strong. Maybe it's risking or whatever. Now, that's where things start to get a little tricky is once you get beyond the – like the internet and online is really good for the understanding phase of things. And I don't want to downplay that, Howard, because I think that's 
80 plus percent of why people don't fix what they do is A, they don't understand why they have their issues, or B, they don't understand how to fix them. Well, you know, it's funny, because let me just jump in, if I may. I wanted to, because one of the questions I was going to ask, and I'll still ask you now, because it's the perfect point. It's almost like most golfers, it's like we miss something fundamentally, or are we just, is it just a lack of understanding of the motion? And I know those are sort of the same, but they're also different. It's like you look yeah. at some people, their basics are wrong, but not only are their basics, their grip's weird or their stance or aim, but they just seem to fundamentally miss something. I, I, I think it's it's a lack of understanding, Howard. I think it's a you don't know what you don't know. The same right. way if you said to me, Eric, give, give, me, give me a line in French. I'd say I can't do that because I don't know how to do it. Now, I could learn it, right, but I, I, I don't know it. And the reality of the golf swing is there's so many micro things right. going on. And the reason that like, let's say I'm able to look at a swing and diagnose it in a simple fashion and identify one or two big picture things is because I've spent an ungodly amount of time over the past 15 years studying it, Yeah. right? So like, just like a French professor could answer your give me a line in French with ease because that's what they do. Right. The unfortunate part is then like you as the golfer, um, in terms of diagnosing what you're doing, because there's so micro, you could do 99% right and hit a shank, right? Like it's it's just there's that much micro going on. Well, what you said, uh, the reason I was sort of giggling is because I I played in this tournament as I said at the top of the show, and and I get paired with some guys, 20 handicap guys, and they're really good guys. But but I, that's why I came up with the question because I'm always amazed at the sort of fundamentals that that are missing but also the lack of what exactly you're trying to do one of the guys i play with a great guy his he was hitting everything fat and and bouncing the club into the ball and i just said ernie it's just he said you got can you help me i said well i'm not an instructor ernie, but i can tell your golf ball is way too far forward in your stance and for the rest of the round we played five rounds together he hit it great but he kept saying to me i had no idea i go well because ernie no one ever you sort of missed that day in setup school. That's a basic he missed, and his whole every club in his bag balls way too far forward. So, of course, I said to him, "Listen, there's that little I called it a hack. There's a golf hack for every aspect of the game." I said, "Ernie, the only thing is you just didn't get that, and now you do." One hundred percent agreed, and I think there's really multiple parts here. I think part of it is the lack of understanding like we talked about. And and, and I want to clarify because I don't want to be like I'm, I'm drawing a bad picture of it. The idea would be that 20 hand, handicap golfer, even though I might know the, the micro, right. lit literally the message they should get is something simple like that. Like, yes. dude, ball position. Like, real simple. Now, the second issue, though, Howard, is even if someone understood or knew that the ball position should, should be a certain way, you and I both know that feels and reels are different. Like, I have recorded myself so many times and so many other people where I feel or think I'm doing something and I'm really doing something completely different. For sure. Right? Yep. And, it, and, and, if we, and like, so I've had times where my ball position creeps forward or back, even though I know where it's supposed to be, it feels correct, but it isn't. And that's where like, if you, someone watches the videos, I mean, I try and say the word feedback, Howard, about 1900 <laughs> times per video. I know. Yeah. Well, one of the things you do that, again, one of the first people I ever saw 
And I've been, uh, listen, I'm, I think about this stuff way too much. I once said to my ex-wife, if I ever thought of anything as much as I did my golf swing or golf, we'd be way richer or I would have cured something. <laughs> me too. But so, so trust me, when, what I love about what you say, and again, you're one of the first people I ever saw say this, which is record your swing. Most of us, seriously, most of us will see our golf swing and we want to puke. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I can. And listen, I don't want to. I know you have a PG audience, but I was say it's like when most people think, "I wonder if I could do amateur porn." You can't because you don't want to. You don't want to see yourself doing it. But you, <laughs> you say, and I, and I kind of like it. I, you say, okay, record yourself so that you can see if what you're feeling is real. And I thought, you know what. That is kind of a, a, a bit of a missing step, I think. And I'm a guy that's had a billion lessons. I thought, you know, that's interesting. And why, why do you think that more people need to see what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I approach it from like, to me, if you're serious about improving your game, regardless of handicap level, you need feedback. Now, video is the only form of feedback where there's no BSing it. Right. Like, it is what it is. And it's the same way with someone who's overweight and they're like, I don't want to step on a scale. Well, then you're not serious about losing weight. Like, mm -hmm. you, you, you need a measuring thing. Let's get real here. Now, training aids are good. Their feedback. Drills, et cetera, are good. And that's cool. But the video never lies. You're doing something. You, you need to look at it. We need to be grown-ups about it. Now, the second part, though, is, like, as you're working through that feedback, right, like, it, 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 it's also, Howard, that it's a difficult process, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm going to record yourself and your swing doesn't look good, you have the option of I'm not going to look at it because it doesn't look good or I'm going to give myself feedback from it. And if you don't do that, there are some people like you maybe, right, like higher level players. Does Bubba Watson need to film his swing? No. No, he doesn't because he can do it. Does Dustin Johnson need to do that? No. But if you don't shoot under par or hit the ball how you want, just effortlessly or athletically – then you do need to make some adjustments and you do need to film and record yourself, right? Like those things I hear all the time, well, you know, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do this and he doesn't do this. Well, yeah, dude, like if, if you have a billion dollar trust fund, then you don't need to go to work either. Like right. that's just, there's different skill levels here. You know, our game is so strange because, you know, like I played hockey as a kid or maybe you played basketball or whatever as a kid, baseball. And if you play it as a recreational adult, you'd almost never compare yourself to Dustin Johnson or somebody at the pro level but it's the weird quirk of golf is that we've all hit a couple of pretty amazing shots and we think well why can't we do that all the time but we but athletically we will try and compare ourselves to the you know the tiniest percentage of human beings that do what we want to do and one of the things on Eric's site and it's Eric Corgano Golf I'll give you all the details at the end one of the things you do is you you tailor some of the instruction for senior golfers, for newer golfers, it's a, it's sort of a more, I would say, amateur friendly. Is that a, a way to say? It? Is yeah. that okay, an amateur Absolutely. friendly approach because you're saying, okay, guys, here's what the highest level players do, but here's something you can do. Yeah, and it, it to me, again, the the idea here is to make the things as simple as possible. If we're talking about a realistic example of someone who plays once, twice, three times, like e even a really good player like yourself, Howard, like you realistically can do one to two things at a time, maybe, maybe. right? Like, 
And and you still need to have ball control. You still need to know where the ball's missing. You still need distance control, et cetera, et cetera. So someone who's not as skilled, perhaps, or doesn't practice as much, for them to get better, what they need is an expert, quote unquote, to help them identify what the one or two things are, tailor it to them, like you said, because there's different people, and then they need to hammer that home until they get it. And that's a big, 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 big point amongst us golfers is going from one thought or feel to another thought or feel to another thought or feel when we never get anywhere close to mastering the first thing. And if you, if you let's say, uh, do a swing analysis and, and a coach identifies three priorities, those should be the three biggest, most important things and there was a reason you did those. And in reality, for you to get great at that is gonna take a pretty long period of time, like, us the, the the way the YouTube and I'm and I'm guilty of it. We do five YouTube videos per week. Well, I was right? about to, dude, I was about to call you on that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, because yeah, just finish your thought because there's a couple things I want to uh, delve into there because yeah. okay, keep going. Yeah, so I mean, like, listen, you you have to pick one or two things. Like, if you're going to lose weight and you're going keto, then dude, you got to go keto for like three or six months. Like, you're not flip flopping a diet in a week, right? right? You get one or two things, hit it home hard. Now, yeah, now I do five YouTube videos. There's also a business aspect to all of this, right? Yeah, I know. But um, the, the the portion of it is like, hey, you should still be within a lane. Let's say you, for example, Howard, hit hooks and you swing too, you're past too far to the right. There could be eighty different reasons you're past too far to the right and 280 ways to fix it. Now, you can do any of those 280, but the point is you're fixing one thing and one thing only, which is path. That's the point of that. Right. Well, and what I, why I was also laughing, because because going to your site, which is sort of what sort of sucked me in to begin with, is it's like going to a buffet. And, and if you love, yeah. if you like Chinese food, or and they, like Eric's site is a, a a Chinese buffet of cool stuff that you could try, and you might stumble on one thing that feels like it might be appropriate for you. But then Eric throws up another video, and you're like, "Wait a second, I should do this too." But that's also the nature that is a, a microcosm of the nature of golfers. We're all just looking for the one thing that might open the world for us, versus. You know, taking again, that's back to my original thing. I think golfers don't realize that there are some basics and some fundamentals that they need to mm-hmm. master before they can move on to the next phase. Yeah, and to, just to clarify that too, Howard, like 90%, and the reason we built CogornoGolf.com, which is our membership site the way it is, is so like I can guide you through what to look at, what not to look at, and, and, and the priorities. Because if, if you're just going from YouTube video to YouTube video and you're doing all of it, that, that can get sketchy. Um, well, and then, and then my second part of that actually is, okay, so let's say I find something and I hit on it and I go, this Corgano has a great uh, thought for me to work on. The difference between in-line and on-person is if we were working, if I came down to Bethlehem and spent a few days, you could sort of, there's a kind of accountability uh, and a progress report. So if somebody is not signed up in your online instruction portal, which I think is amazing, uh, yeah. What's the accountability? Not accountability is the wrong word. What's the progress sort of report? How do I know I'm doing it better? Is it just I keep filming myself and I can see those angles starting to be created? That's one way. I think it depends on the player too, Howard. Like if, if, if your ultimate objective is to eliminate a left shot because you want to score better in tournaments under pressure, then we would need to be monitoring all of those things. You would have things in practice that would say, hey, X out of 10 shots with these clubs at these targets, how many went left? 
right. right? Our goal is zero. You'd also give yourself feedback via the video. And if you were with me in person or in line, the goal is for you to be able to look at video and diagnose that one thing or two things we're working on. Right. Where I would, and what we use is I'll give you checkpoints. Like, here's how you know it's correct. Here's when it's not off. It doesn't need to be perfect, but you gotta be within a lane here. But you also would need outcome goals. Like ultimately, if I'm changing anyone's swing mechanics, there needs to be an outcome goal. I'm not changing a swing mechanic for a look or for no purpose whatsoever. It is to serve a function. So just like you, you move the ball back for that guy hit less fat shots. Yeah. His feedback in that scenario was an outcome of the golf ball. Now that's ultimately the only thing that matters. But if we're doing a swing mechanical thing, you absolutely need to see progress and feedback via video. In person, Howard, it's different now as the business has grown and I'm trying to scale things. So I I don't see or hear from people as much as, I used to do multiple per week, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would touch base with you probably twice a week. Now on our membership site, they post video feedback once a month. Um, We have a Facebook group where you can be in there posting stuff every day, but but ultimately it's once a month where I would see a new update of your swing. And, and, and the other part of that, Howard, I realized is I used to coach, I you know, pre-YouTube, I would coach a lot of uh, middle school, high school, college, mini tour, like elite level players. Right. Now that's your part swing coach, your part psychologist, you're like, a, I mean, there's 19 different roles in that, in that realm. In that scenario, someone like you, I think needs more frequent touches with their coach. I think someone who's a 20 handicapper who needs to move the ball back, plays once a week and is big picture stuff, once per month to me is plenty if they have some discipline in between. You know, it, it's funny. I, I've been around golf instruction and golf a long time, and, and I can imagine there's a real great feeling you must get when you help somebody. Because i got to be honest with you, this guy Ernie last night at the airport, he just looked, he's just you know, a little older than me, which is hard to believe. He's, uh, he said to me, he said, Howard, you saved my game. I said, Ernie, calm down, pal. It's, you know, like I'm literally, in, in, we were getting gas just before we got on the plane, and, and one of the pros that was in the truck with me uh, was videotaping me, giving the guy the lesson. Another, because I found a line that I said, here, Ernie, let me show. Because he, he had no idea. He was trying to line up his ball based on where his feet were, not where his body is. And so there's this funny little Instagram last night with the Club Link guys of me continuing this lesson at the gas station. But he was so appreciative of that little nuance. I gave him a couple little things. But, but the, my point is it must be so gratifying for you to know that you are impacting people. It, it agreed, man. It's it's cool. I, I love that story, and it it's cool. And that's part of the online thing for me, Howard. Too outside of, you know, like I I, I like the business aspect of things, which is a whole other conversation. But the reality of the online, if I teach in person, right, I could maybe do what forty, maybe fifty people per week, realistically. If I'm hammering it, yeah. If I do YouTube videos, like we, I think in most some of the months, I'm having two hundred thousand people watching videos. Like 200,000 people may watch a video. Now, let's say I help, I don't know, 10% of them. Yeah, that's 20,000 people in a month that I could potentially help versus 200 in person. And that's, that's a big reason for the online too because what you just said is so true. While I can maximize my ability to help someone in person, something as little as someone understanding how to do ball position, you just, he, he from his perspective, you just saved his golf game. And mm-hmm. for some people... Right, they judge themselves their whole life on their golf game. Right, like their whole life. 
And so something as simple as them understanding that could literally change their whole life, how they spend time with their family, how they feel, et cetera. And so the ability to maximize that on YouTube has really been a blessing. Well, I got to tell you, and I don't want to, that's a huge part of what we talk about here on Swing Thoughts. We talk about how men especially have a lot of their self-worth wrapped up in how they feel about their golf game. And, and we can talk, you know, we've talked at length on this show with many mental experts, you know, everyone from uh, Dr. Ellen Langer from uh, Harvard about, you know, being present and, you know, being, uh, you know, aware and, you know, and, and mental performance coach because there's this weird thing that human beings feel like, you know, that, they, that, that golf has revealed something about themselves when in reality it's, we kind of it's it is a game, but the stories we tell ourselves while we're playing it are ridiculous. It's chaos. You know, in in aviation they call it a helmet fire. Where our, our heads are on fire most of the time we're playing this game. So there's Ernie who spent four and a half days with me hitting it better than he had all summer, and all because no one because all he plays with are twenty handicappers. And so, the, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make is the, the, the impact of just a little thing, as you say, can, make, can mean so much to somebody in their enjoyment, not only of the game, but of how they feel about themselves while they play the game. And you know what's funny, Howard, both when I did more in-person coaching in the past and now with our online group, like our membership where I'm, I'm on, like I, I post videos and I'm talking there in the Facebook group almost every day. Not, I mean, 75% of the stuff we talk about is mental. The, the, the key and the trick is the mental stuff for a lot of golfers isn't sexy because it's like me telling someone to eat better and go to the gym to lose weight. What they want is they want a quick thing. They want mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. Like I sell swing mechanics because people buy swing mechanics, right? Like that's what they want. There's, there's, they need some of that. But overwhelmingly, if I could change the mental perspective of the golfer pre during post round, that would be the number one thing that would increase their performance. And there's Absolutely. no doubt about that. Yep. But but when people go on YouTube and they type in and do a search thing, they're searching a swing mechanical thing, at least my audience. And so I want to get people in the door by improving their swing and then like really keep them in the door and improve them by changing their mental perspective. Well, and that's uh, been the reason we started this show, which is, you know, you, there's lots of people that talk about, you know, where the club face should be halfway back at P1 or whatever. But having a conversation, and we have some pretty raw conversations on the show about mental states and, and getting yourself into a, a place where you can enjoy the game however you're playing. And, you know, and it's exactly. a, you want to talk about a constant struggle, you know. You know, I, I think, you know, I play a lot of tournament golf, and one of the things we talk about on the show, and I talk about it with people like Shoemaker and, you know, Dr. Carl Morris and these people, is that, you know, once you're playing the game, all that Eric Corgano, you know, uh, ball position stuff has got to go away, and you've got to play golf. But I like what you said Absolutely. about you get them in the door for the tips, but you keep them because you reorient the way they think about the game, and that's probably more important in the long run. It's dramatically more important, but it's, it's, it's the same way. Like if you look at our titles now, our titles of our YouTube videos have changed. They've got more and more and more sort of clickbaity, if you will, not quite clickbaity, but more towards that because you have to, I'm willing to do whatever's needed to get someone to watch a video and come join us because I know once they're with us, we're going to do the appropriate things to make them better. And, and it, 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 it's a, like for me personally, Howard, what you said before, I used to associate one-to-one. If I played well or not, literally my worth as a human being. Yeah. 
because I didn't know any different. Like that just, and, and that's how sports train you growing up. That's how I was trained being a competitive athlete. Like that's, that was the life I lived. Now for me, when I go play, I enjoy it regardless of what happens. And like not coincidentally, my performance is a lot better when I go play. And for me and a lot of the players I coach, there's no doubt that having little tactics, little small adjustments pre, during, and post round, um, in terms of how you approach things mentally has been a game changer for me personally, the ability, like I've gotten into meditation over the past five years or so and the ability to be present in the moment has been such a game changer. Well, Ellen Langer is somebody, if you've never heard of her, you should go check her out. She's an expert in mindfulness, so, you know, a background in psychology. And one of the things she said, and, and I used it this week, because sometimes when I find myself, you know, kind of that golf chaos when you're starting to talk about, you know, you're saying, well, I, you know, why isn't this working? Or I, I practiced, I should be better, all that nonsense. And she said something, and she said, all you have to do to be present is to notice one new thing. Just notice one. So there I am in the golf course. I'm, a, I'm starting to pout because I've hit 11 grains and made no putts and all that story and all the bullshit. You know, and, and I started to count the number of three putts. And I just stopped myself, and I, and I kept my eyes up, which is a little trick, you know, eyes on the horizon. And then I started to notice things about the hole maybe that I hadn't noticed. I played the course a few times. And all of a sudden, I'm back to the present tense. And a lot of things that we talk about here is getting golfers back to where they are, not the hole before and not the holes to come, but to just play that hole. Michael Hebron's another guy I love, and he always talks about, you know, the, not, I know it's cliche about the one shot at a time, but it's almost golf from point A, which is a great book, to be at point A. It's not point A, B, C, and D. It's Because what golfers do is they string the round together. It's a series of events, but really it's just that one shot. And that's why, you know, I don't know if you ever heard this. I'm sure you have that that really good players are either super smart or super dumb. But it's true. It's like either you're smart enough to figure that other stuff out or you just don't care and you just go from shot to shot. You know, lucky you, because the rest of us are somewhere in the middle. Yeah, no offense to him, but it's like the Bryson DeChambeau or the Dustin Johnson model, right? You said it, pro. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, that, I, yeah, it's David Duvall or John Daly from my time. I, for me, what works for me is I would prepare like a Bryson DeChambeau and then perform like a Dustin Johnson. Love it. That's that's what works for me. I know, like, so, I, I haven't heard some of the names you mentioned. I will go look them up. For me, the presence thing that really works, and I do it the same way that I meditate, is I always go from breathing to visual to auditory to feel. So, like, if I'm standing on a tee box or I'm walking down, because we all get the same things, right? I get the same thoughts. They pop up. For me, it's the ability of, okay, I am going to get these thoughts. What am I going to do about it? I always will do a, a breathe count. I will do a visual, so I'll look at like the wind blowing, the clouds moving, a blade of grass, something. I'll do a, 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 an auditory, so I listen, wind blowing, etc. And then I do a feel. I'll feel my hat on the head, my shirt on, my foot on the ground, whatever. And that always um, works for me to get back present with the idea too that I couple that with like 20 minutes of meditation every day certainly helps. You know, that's something about breathing. And I started meditating a couple of years ago when I read Sam Harris's book. It was called 10% Happier. And it, he's yes. a and yeah, great book. He's an ABC anchor. He freaked out on, on camera. And anyway, but what I do is one of the things somebody said, it might have been Ellen. She said, you know, you can, when, you, when you connect with your breathing during a round of golf or anywhere, when you connect with your breathing, you, you bring yourself back to where your body is, and your body can only be in the present tense. Your brain can be everywhere, but your body can only be here. 
And something about that brings golfers back to the point of, because what we like to do is go, oh, man, I hit a bad shot, and now how am I going to say par, bogey, or whatever that is, when reality, all you need to do is hit the shot in front of you. And, uh, absolutely. And, and I, I know a lot of guys who listen to our show go, oh, that's easy for you, Howard, blah, 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 you're a low handicap golfer. But it's, it, it affects all golfers. Listen, I watched three other guys play five rounds of golf on my little team this week, and I can see how they react to golf shots, and they all have various reactions depending on the good or the bad shot outcome. Whereas what I've practiced is to have a measured reaction no matter what it is. You know, my round yesterday, I made five birdies. I don't want to tell you what I shot, Eric, because I also because I also putted a lot too. But I didn't care. I went okay. You know, I don't. I'm not a bad person because I three putted a couple of times. You know, I looked at the round. I went, you know, hey, that was pretty fun. I made a lot of birdies, hit a lot of good shots. So my score didn't reflect what I'd like it to be. But I felt pretty good when I left the day. Now there was times in my life where I didn't always feel that way when I left. Because I, my perspective was screwed. Well, and I, I think, Howard, here, the key to performance here is in response to someone says it's easy if you use a low handicapper, is it's not one or the other. Like, if you have a shitty grip and a terribly open club face and you slice the ball, you can't breathe your way to <laughs> high draw, right? That's, That's not how it works. You can't breathe your way to a high draw. That's the book we oh, need to write. Oh, right, exactly. So, so, like... Yeah. So listen, you, it's it's because I get that thing all the time too. Of like, if I have someone come for a school and they're trying to break a hundred, and I'm teaching them a, a pre-shot routine, you know, well, how relevant is this to the other part? Well, we're all in different parts of the of, of the process, but it's it's you have to do both of them. Like, if you have that bad grip, bad face slice, yes, you need to fix that. And as well, you need to do these other things. Like these, these are pieces of the puzzle that work together. I've seen a lot of uh, research on the breathing, the mental aspect in terms of performance. To me, that's not debatable at this point. It's just how do we apply it? Yeah. So if someone hits a bad chip shot, and um, I can make their routine better, their breathing, their thought process, is there going to be an increase in performance? 100%. If they have terrible technique, will they chip as good as someone with better technique with the same breathing mental? No, of course not. They still need to work on that, but there's a time and place for everything as well, which is important. Well, I, you know, I was... Uh... I knew I, I suspected that I'd like you. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate that. No, I just I just got a sense from you that you thought that you had a well you had a deeper understanding besides just the swing mechanics because you can just tell by the way you talk about it. When I started off by saying when a teacher reveals that they also are struggling, there's something that connects that person to other people because it's an authenticity that I think in the old model of instruction was missing. You know, I don't think, I don't recall a lot of David Ledbetter talking about, and he's a great teacher, but I don't recall, you know, it was a different time. You know, it was a different way that instruction was, you know, delivered. Exactly. And you do it in a, in a not only a modern way uh, in terms of the technology, but a modern way in terms of how you talk about what we've just talked about. And I'm glad we got into it as we, uh, as we start to wrap things up. You know, uh, I want to let everyone know, it's it's corganogolf.com that's the uh, the subscription site yep yeah if they it's 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 my last name it's c o g o r n o golf if if they head over to the youtube it's we we posted uh, all over the place there and i'm just going to warn people if you click on one of eric's <laughs> video you might be there for the whole weekend yeah, <laughs> the black hole of <laughs> well and the yeah. thing is and and hey listen there's lots of other guys that do this 
But uh, when I saw yours, I went, I wonder if this guy, this guy is going to be something. And, and just as we wrap up, so what, what is the goal for you and Mary and your production team? And where do you want to take this? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we want to build the best online uh, golf teaching platform, coaching platform in the world. Uh, so I think over the next three, five, ten years or so, that's going to consist of broadening the the team. So adding team members, coaches like myself, with someone, um, and guys like you. Honestly, I don't need to be current golf coaches who um, kind of all share the same vision. I think continuing growing the YouTube channel, producing content to hopefully help more and more and more people, um, and then and then getting better at the people who are on YouTube right? Like our, our membership site and, mm-hmm. and building that, helping people actually get better and, and making those processes easier and easier. Now, I think in the process of doing that, there'll be new technology, whether that comes from YouTube or other things, et cetera. Um, but really the mission statement is building the best online, um, like, like a revolution golf, but with, um, but better. How about that? 